Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 21 on our second day of our second year in business. How are you doing today, Rich? Uh, celebration, right? I mean, two year, or this is year two. Uh, a lot to be thankful for. Uh, I went back to New York City yesterday. Uh, actually had hey, dinner can outside. You? Can I stop you for a second? Well, yeah. You're, you're saying that you're in a celebratory mood. Two minutes before we started this podcast, you said you've never been so stressed out in your life and that we That's have true. to expedite the That's podcast true. so that you can make your next meeting. But you could you could chill a little bit, Rich. We accomplished something. You could why don't Just you go eat. what go get one of those drinks that that you like? What's it, what's that drink called? Superbird. It's a Paloma brand, and this is Joe Marchese's new drink. It is pineapple. Huh? Ju- sorry, it's grapefruit juice mixed with tequila. It's awesome in a can. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send it to you. It's a case. Great summer drink. You drink. I mean, it's just it's so good. I'm I'm telling you, you're gonna love it. You like foofy drinks, Rich? Sugar. Saying. Sugar. Sugary. <sighs> Sugar. Not good. Huh? What about you, Walt? What's up? Getting psyched for the Eagles and the start of the EPL um, this weekend. Got myself a wood splitter a off of the Amazon. A wood splitter. Why do you need that? What do you? What's do the split, purpose? To split wood. No, no. For what purpose? <laughs> like firewood? <laughs> you know, is that firewood? Like what? what why do you are, actually need one? Is what I'm are getting. Are you going at. Paul Bunyan on us? Well, I've been having a lot of fun with my chainsaw after the last storm and. The frustration, oh, as I God. previously expressed with Con Edison, so I've been chainsawing a lot. <laughs> so now I've got all, all this right. cut wood, and I need to split the wood. <laughs> Do you wear a hockey mask when you're doing that? No. Well, for the chainsaw, yeah, <laughs> I, have a, I have a, I have a I Ron Hextall special. I have protected. Did, did, well, I was thinking really? of, I was thinking of Jason in Friday the Thirteenth. Well, yes, that was. I was trying to. You know, some of the sometimes the humor is you don't outright say it. You just kind of like build the picture or something. Yeah. All right, let's just start. Let's. But start. there's few joys in life than cutting through a nice, all right, slab of wood. I'm glad you're getting your stress out. Thank you. You you each have stress management methodologies. So football's back. That's the big news of uh, of week 21 on the light shed podcast for sure i mean we got to watch an actual foot pro football game last night uh, it was actually one of four stadiums that actually had fans this was in kansas city and we've got a live shot of you know there was i, I don't know what percentage i guess it was 20 percent or less of the stadium was full 22 percent rich 22 percent. thank you walter uh good memory so that's the that's the good news and we actually all had fun watching it. i think each of us watched it i was flipping back and forth between this and serena uh- I want to shout out to all those KC fans. They did an excellent job of being very noisy, although I did notice on a couple of the crowd shots the mask wearing was not exactly diligent, and that's probably why they were able to induce a false start in the first quarter. So good job in KC in creating noise. I I mean, I guess not to uh, be all woke and everything, but it, it was a little bit alarming after they did that moment of unity for racial justice. All at the very end of that, the crowd started doing the tomahawk chop, which was yeah, that's a, yeah. Quite a juxtaposition. Yeah. Um, overall, I know you guys enjoyed watching the game. I couldn't get into it. I don't know why. Um, maybe it's because I'm still pretty into the 
the hockey and that's do or die, especially after the heartbreaker for the Isles the other night. Um, I just couldn't get there. I don't think it was the crowd. Maybe I wasn't interested. I don't think the crowd mattered at all. I mean, I think the the reality is, I mean, look, ratings were down. Early ratings numbers are out there down 16%. And I think wow. everyone is That's sort a of lot. Sc- it, it is, but look, Lakers played last night. Serena actually lost in a three-set, you know, amazing last match game, last no, night. Isn't the, isn't the game normally the Super Bowl champion versus the conference? And they didn't put them up against the Titans. They put them up against the Texans, and it just wasn't but, the same. But the whole thesis um, with the return of sports was there's going to be so much pent-up demand for sports That's because fair. lockdowns and everything else. And we've discussed this in the past. Ratings in the other sports ha- haven't exactly bowled anyone over. And well, hockey, hockey's been great, and yeah, r- relative, relative, it's, been great. It's, it's relative still, to its past, it's still yeah. small, right? Correct. So my uh, opinion on this is that the the content, however, to your point about the crowd, the, the camera angles that zoom in made the crowd less relevant. The sound was there. For the stadiums that don't have the sound, as long as they play some type of background sound of noise, of fan noise, I think it's going to be fine. The quality of play. I think, and the lack of, of excessive injuries. I mean, there were obviously injuries as there are for any NFL game. So the, the kind of the haters in terms of the NFL restart, in terms of the quality of the play without preseason and the injuries, neither of those two things happened. I thought the quality of play was excellent. There was like one or two penalties like in the first half and like a typical preseason, let alone first week of NFL is usually horrible in terms of the amount of penalties. So I thought we'll, yeah, we'll see how they, it goes. They, you're you're always big on the penalties. That's your, your favorite game. thing to tweet about. Is because it kills another the game. penalty, another penalty, another yeah. penalty. So there there weren't that many penalties. I don't know. I I just I just personally couldn't get there. But I'm Look, sure Monday night when Daniel Jones fumbles four times, I'll be into the game and throwing something. I, I hate to say this to both yeah. of you though. There is one other element here that you know. There are 8% fewer households with multi-channel television year over year. And so you're still still down eight, like on a share basis, you're down still. I'm sure. sure. I'm sure. I'm just saying like a lot of sports competition, a lot of entertainment competition, fewer people with TV. It's week one, as well pointed out, the matchup maybe not wasn't the best matchup relative to last year. I I, I still think the NFL is going to have very good ratings for the season. We'll see. I, I think it's going to be a good season ratings-wise, but we'll see. We shall. On to the next. Who, who we know this is really good for, though, in terms of sports coming back, is the athletic. And, Brandon, we talked to the athletic right as the pandemic was starting, and it was that, pretty hard for them. It was that rough. was what – I mean, we had pre-scheduled that meeting. It was a really depressing meeting. Uh, we know they cut, um, they cut staff uh, to, to try and – deal with cash burn and I think they they were actually pretty close to getting to a million subs when the pandemic hit and I think they would have done it in what May or something anyway but you know they're back to growth and uh, uh, we're happy for them we like them no and I think look they've got they're growing the content. I mean, I think one of the big things that has spurred growth is going overseas too. And so they, you know, they expanded into European soccer. Obviously, yep. European soccer was one of the first things to come back. This is just the beginning. I mean, I think you know, an ad-free subscription business for quality content. They're expanding into podcasts. I, I think this is going to be one that you know, especially as sports, hopefully not just comes back, but I think what we've seen over the last call it eight weeks, 
not only do sports come back, but they stay, right? Like it's not like baseball canceled their season despite all of the challenges. Yep. We've seen all of these sports persevere. That's very good news for the athletic as we look out over the course of the next year. Speaking of European football, a Barstool sportsman, another interesting hire in uh, bringing on troops from Arsenal Fan TV, which is one of the biggest fan things. They've got a couple million YouTube subscribers. He's leaving London, coming to New York, starting a podcast. So Barstool, I think, is kind of identifying these content creators that um, you know are very popular. It's been it's been amazing. The guys, it's going to be called Back Again with Troops because he's a great. But- content provider i hope to be on his program at some point discussing what's going on in epl mls and other things walt i was listening to the espn and barstool sports podcast upfront presentations yesterday mm-hmm. and it was night and day i mean the the energy and excitement and breadth of content that barstool's rolling out you know from you know the top sports podcast to the top female podcast like just the breadth of content and then they had Scott Van Pelt from ESPN on talking oh. about ESPN's podcast. And he's literally, he's using wired Apple earbuds, right? Like wired and like talking about doing podcasts. And it was just the juxtaposition of ESPN versus Barstool oh. in podcasting. He it's cool to call himself SVP. Oh, like he's, he's still resting. Oh, SVP. He's intolerable. It was did, incredible. Did, did Barstool feature to troops in this little upfront because troops? No, but they had Dion. Dion was on because Dion's nice. launching a podcast. So yeah. Dion was on. They're crushing it. Crushing. Yeah, it. I, I mean, and <laughs> just like looking at our industry and the markets, somehow Portnoy continues to be an important voice I, during all this market volatility this week. Whether you want, to, I don't know if you guys want to discuss that or not. The brand um, is incredible but for him. Every other second they're they're calling when they're talking about retail investors they're calling out dave portnoy dave portnoy it's amazing incredible brand the amount of mind share that that they've built is is it's incredible and then think about they're going to launch you know next week they launch the soft launch of barstool bets in philadelphia or sorry in pennsylvania we're going to have we're going to have dave and the erica and the the pen gaming team is going to be on light shed live on the 21st like it is i'm looking forward to that it's pretty amazing how they're trying to use a media brand to drive a sports betting and eventually a gaming brand and I, you know, my guess is investors are just. I think there's a group of investors that are focused on it, but I don't think there's enough focus on just how big there's, of an opportunity this is. Uh, I I think the market. I mean, obviously, look, the stock has been incredible. It's at sixty bucks. It bottomed at four. I don't know if you remember that. And back in April. In April. Back in right? April. During- and prior to the deal, where where was the stock? I don't even remember. Maybe thirty or something. Twenty four. Who knows? Okay. I I'm not going to like check Bloomberg now. Um, but look, I've seen a bunch of initiation reports come out from different brokers over the last several weeks that are trying to explain that, that story now. So I think the market, um, has, has caught on, um, let's, let's see if it works now. We'll, we'll find out in the next, I don't know, starting in the next two, three weeks. So we've got uh, TikTok, and I know we've talked about TikTok a lot on this podcast over the course of the last couple of months, but the deadline, September 15th, and Trump was asked on the tarmac, I think this is up in Michigan, he was asked what is going to happen with extending it. And so listen up to President Trump uh, talking about TikTok. 
Uh, if I can make it. Hope you are. I think that it will be love. We'll see what happens. It'll either be closed up or they'll sell it. Uh, so we'll either close up TikTok in this country for security reasons or it'll be sold. Well, to an extent, that's the deadline. If not, it's going to be It sounds definitive. I'm taking the over on that. Meaning you think he extends the deadline? I don't. He may not call it extending the deadline, but uh, I'll take the over that in four days, TikTok will neither be sold nor will it be shut down. So are you going to do like, I remember net neutrality when you would start tweeting that the internet was still working after the net neutrality legislation. Are we going to see you tweeting that TikTok is still working on the 16th? That would be a safe bet. (laughs) I. I keep thinking that um, China just wants, you know, the, China wants to, if China wants to hurt Trump, you shut it, you know, you basically force Trump to either back down or uh, force him to shut it down. Although I still don't really understand and everyone I've been talking to in the industry, no one's really sure what shutting down TikTok means. Does it mean move, removing from the app store? Yeah, you, you do it through, it so you do it through the think, device maker. You go to Apple and say, take it out of your app store, like the government somehow. But what there. if you have it on your phone? They can disable it after it's been on, well, it on the phone. Won't be working. Yeah, they, that can be. I, that is something that the device maker can uh, implement. Trump on this on this one, Trump has uh, gotten himself into a little bit of a rock and a hard place situation because a little bit of a pickle. Yeah, if he doesn't shut it down, then he's going to be viewed as weak and not keeping his promise. And then if he does, then every millennial and Gen Zer is going to lose their mind. So we'll see. I can't imagine telling my daughters on Tuesday that or Wednesday that it no longer works. That would be an interesting conversation. Okay, let's move on. Um, Gaming, Brandon, walk us through what this Microsoft, uh, all these, all this news is about. (laughs) Okay. Um, So this week, Xbox gave the pricing details for for um, the the new um, X, uh, Xbox consoles, and the Series S is actually going to be two ninety nine, three hundred dollars, and the X is going to be five hundred. So what's the diff? What's the difference? Like, what am I getting for the extra two hundred bucks? Well, you actually have a disk drive um, in the X. the The S it relies fully. Um, on uh, on digital, um, and it, the X is also spec'd up. So we'll we'll start with that. The first thing here, though, is the fact that they are um, they have a an inexpensive box at three hundred dollars. It looks like one of the ways that they're going to try and attack PlayStation, who has the dominant market share, is on price, right? So it used to be when the the next generation of console came out, it was all about what two things. One is what the specs look like, and you were trying to have the most powerful specs, right? And number two, it was on um, what exclusive games you have. Okay, so that uh, now they're they're trying to go um, on price as well. The other interesting thing here. Um, is that they are they're introducing a twenty five dollar a month financing plan, which essentially um, makes owning the Xbox 
Series S, and it's I think it's thirty five for the X, a subscription. So you and they've get, never never done that before. Like this is a first time no, ever. And for- it's not just the financing though. There's also a bundle, which includes um, the Xbox All Access plus Xbox Gold, and now as well uh, EA Play. So th- what they're essentially giving you is a piece of hardware access to cloud-based streaming where you don't have to even use the hardware number two and number three uh, a content subscription and they're looking at everyone's trying to attack the future of gaming by trying to get to the tam and what and one of the ways to get there is to offer content on any device anywhere number one and at a reasonable price where everyone can afford it so that's that bundle is there is their strategy to attack playstation who is still positioning as the high-end sort of device with with exclusive titles now when i look to unpack this and subscription and streaming are a very both a very big part of it i've personally never believed in subscription being a very big business. You were thinking uh, in, about subscription in the, in the from the a gaming world. Yeah. So when I, when I think about subscription for games, most people at this point, most players only play a couple of games. They, they buy a game and they play um, the same game for years and years and years as, as there's additional content there. They don't utilize video games the way you do um, when you're watching video on Netflix and you consume piece of content after piece of content after piece of content where choice is so important or a music where um, you never know what you want to listen to and the whole thing that you're getting out of it is having access to everything. It doesn't solve a consumer problem for many consumers. But bringing the price down of the actual but bringing device... The, but bringing the price down... Uh, obviously helps you to attack Tam um, and is is a differentiator. So we'll, we'll see if it works. But they, I, I think what they're trying to do is become the gaming platform by tying together streaming subscription and hardware. And it remains to be seen. What are, is there anything else in these boxes that I mean? There was this. We've had this discussion before in terms of the fight for the living room. Is there anything in there that extends beyond kind of the basics? Yeah, that the, it's interesting because that was, if we go back to the last generation of console, uh-huh. that was a big part of it. That it was going to be this media hub. Next, yeah. So um, is that, where this, is that in this one? This is, um, I and yeah, you you will still presumably i haven't even looked be able to uh, stream video and yeah, it'll have netflix and all of those system. things but that's not the but central pitch so where they so wanted me to have but my the Xbox central just, pitch now yeah. is about taking gaming and making it less expensive number one um and and number two uh convenient so like, are they seeding that market to apple and roku and others and just saying like look People are just will just have two boxes and best I, I in just, class. Yeah, I just don't think they care that much. 
What do you? I think mean, look, those devices are heavily used for streaming video. But in order to sort of, you know, if I look at what Android TV seems to be doing or Google seems to be doing in terms of tying together Nest, Google Assistant, yeah. Stadia, no it doesn't feel like no one's Microsoft. buying an Xbox for that purpose, especially when you could get a Roku so inexpensively now. They might and not be will- buying it for that service, but if they offer it good enough, then yeah. removing a component um, – from my thing maybe helps their tie-in and reduces whatever potential churn or upgrade cycle they could offer in the future. So I think it's just odd that they go from focusing on it as a media center. Again, to your point, it's still there, but like not taking it to the next level when it seems like other companies um, believe that this fight for the living room when this transition away from TV to streaming is, is, is this opportunity. Well, th- think about what AT&T and but Verizon you know are what? doing by bundling in with subscriptions. Well, They're bundling in video services. There's no reason why with the Microsoft subscription, you couldn't tack on and, and basically say, this now comes with Netflix or this now comes with one of the streaming sure. services. I think, I think the, idea, the idea, though, is to win market share and expand the market and get your box in as many gaming market share right exactly as possible and if you do that with whatever marketing pitch you're going to use as a byproduct you're going to be the center of the living room because you offer in addition to video games we're focusing on what the best in class but but theoretically companies especially the ones that are that size should be able to walk and chew gum at the same time and develop both sides of the house yeah, I mean, look, they they try to have their own original video content. I don't remember how long ago that ambition was, Rich, do you? Um, they hired someone real also. Nancy Tellum. Yeah, for original So is that done for good, or do you think they ever come uh, back to that strategy? No, that's what, that, that did not work. That was sort of why we've been skeptical of TikTok is that they, you know, in terms of Microsoft, is that they just haven't done a very good job outside of Xbox in executing on consumer services. I mean, LinkedIn is like fine. You know, they've done it. Minecraft has been solid, but they haven't done enough with it in my mind to really blow it out and build on it the way they could have. So, and obviously, Mixer was shut down. Yeah, Minecraft um, (laughs) is is a very 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 important game or or platform um it, but, but i don't that, think it's become better because it's inside of that's, microsoft that's games yeah right no okay, let's i don't talk, think it has either let's talk about another platform that has benefited from moving to a financing model and lowering the price there's no doubt that peloton which put up you know 580,000 net ads for the fiscal 2020 and they just basically said they're going to do nearly a million net ads in 21 so almost 100% growth or 60 plus percent growth 70 80% growth in net ads just an incredible number um obviously benefiting from the pandemic which i know everyone's going to say like this has been one of the big beneficiaries of the pandemic but you know, there, there was this comment at the end of the call where John Foley, who's the founder uh, and creator of Peloton, he basically just talked about that there's 35 million plus homes with with um, with treadmills. And we're just getting started when you think about the fact that they basically have a million devices out in the field, that there's a huge opportunity as people just shift from wanting to work out in gyms and they see this more as the ability to have a full home gym in their home, that there's a much bigger opportunity. Obviously, the stock's exploded. I mean, it's been an incredible rise over the last six months, but 
it was pretty interesting to think about the how early they really could be when you think about the U.S. and not to mention globally. I think about what we how we look at things like Netflix, how we think about things like Spotify and framing the the TAM. I got pretty excited just listening to the end of the call yesterday. Okay, so the treadmill stat is that treadmills getting used today. What's the ASP of the treadmill, which can be as low as five hundred dollars at Home Depot or wherever Costco. Yep. Um, and you don't, you're not paying what's, what's your, what's your charge per month for Peloton? Uh, $40 per month. I'm not sure that's necessarily the TAM. They're bringing financing though. So the, the low cost bike is now down below 50 bucks. So 49.99 to finance it. Okay. So that's, you know, they're getting the price lower and lower. I mean, I guess How that's much is the, the treadmill. I mean, what's the ASP on those treadmills in the stat that was sure. provided? Uh, they did not give the ASP, but it's obviously a fraction. I can go on of, Amazon and probably get one for like three hundred bucks, delivered sure. and set up to my house. Sure, but this is now under two thousand for the first time. So, <laughs> I, know, I mean, you, Eli, I mean, t- okay, damn, that's cheap. Understood. I think the inter the interesting thing about Peloton is um, those numbers <laughs> from last night, especially the guidance, uh, was better than I think most people imagine stock opened up a lot. I think it opened like 98, 99 bucks and it's down to 85. So perhaps there is some idea that perhaps we're getting to the point where numbers aren't going to go up anymore. And they may be realizing Tam faster because of the pandemic. Yeah, I think Tam's still pretty. No, the small, market's but... the market's been crazy, anyway. But never, okay. g- never good when it will definitely be a story that we will be watching closely. <laughs> and there's an Alice Day next week that'll hopefully give us some more information too. But let's turn to what is probably the most sh- the information. <laughs> yes, the the shocking news of the week: Cindy Holland, who Cindy's been a, a lifer at Netflix. Um, it's funny. She actually started, if you guys remember, I don't know if you guys remember a business called Cosmo.com that used to deliver. Yes. Holy they cow. Used to deliver, they used to deliver a DVD and an ice cream from Ben and Jerry's with an orange backpack, which one of my friends at Goldman started when he quit Goldman to go start that business. On a, she was one was, of the original was, employees. That was the greatest company ever. It was like, talk about companies that, you know. Ahead they, of their time. Ahead of their, not just ahead of their time. It was the best consumer proposition ever. Order anything on demand, and the delivery was was completely free. Uh, it didn't last, obviously, but Cindy was yeah. one of the early executives, <laughs> and you know, look, she's been there building the programming stock at Netflix for years now. She was basically pushed out this week in favor of um, the head of international programming or local language programming. Uh, and I think what is interesting is that, you know, Bella's led all of the, you know, if you think about Casa de Papel, which is Money Heist and all of the big overseas originals that have gotten such big, um, uh, you know, kind of big viewership on Netflix. It also just holds true to the Netflix culture of they even push out really solid, strong executives in favor of executives they think are just superstars. And like they just have a culture. It's a vicious culture of the top performer 
is they want rock stars. They only want rock stars. And if they don't feel, if they feel like someone's better than somebody else, it doesn't matter that you're good. You get pushed out. And it's sort of the, 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 one of the key takeaways in reading Reed Hastings book, No Rules Rules, is this idea of the keeper's test. And if you don't fail the keeper's test, or sorry, if you fail the keeper's test, you're getting fired. And <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing just culturally for a company of its size to move out executives the way they do. Does that attract a lot of a talent to have that type of culture, Rich? You know, it's it's funny. There there is this um, the author, one of the co-authors of Reed's book. Basically, she came into it. She there's this section at the beginning where she talks about how her perception was like it's a hostile place to work. Who the hell would want to work in this environment? But she, then she steps back and goes, "Well, it's obviously attracting a tremendous amount of people." And it's actually working if you look at the performance of the company. So there's obviously something to it, even though it seems like in some perspectives, you would say well, the stock, who, the stock keeps going up. <laughs> well, and, and look, you could frame it on. Think about the NFL. Does any NFL team want a player that is an A plus? They don't just keep somebody because they've been there the year before. Yeah, Reed keeps using that. Elon works his people very hard at Tesla and SpaceX. Um very hard, very, very hard. And I don't, it, it, and they're attracting the best people as well. So maybe, you know, maybe they're onto something. It, it, you know, the reality is it just, it's, it's, it shows certainly a of, resume accretive place to work. <laughs> yes, it that doesn't hurt to say you worked at Netflix. That's true. Yeah, also, does that basically, Brandon, what you're saying is like when you're winning and the brand is good, no one ever voices complaints. That's right. And that could be the year after a Super Bowl. And you're not doing so well, and then your wide receiver starts throwing your quarterback under the bus. Well, but they keep doing well, so. <laughs> well, so if they're if, dynasty, <laughs> Walt, Walt, I, 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 why don't we apply the keepers test and executives to the next slide? Oh God. So for our podcast listeners, which are the majority of those that listen to this, <laughs> uh, Rich has put up a tweet from um, Bloomberg about a scoop on the terminal coming out soon to the web. SoftBank is reconsidering the option strategies that hurt its shares and have roiled the markets. This is, as you recall from last week's podcast episode, we talked about how SoftBank was buying these um, these uh, FANG stocks. But there was also earlier in the week a Financial Times article identifying the executives that were largely behind these purchases or who they at least think is behind those purchases. And surprise, surprise, Rajiv Misra, who is head of the Vision Fund, was one of the names that the Financial Times listed. So Rajiv Misra, as some of our subscribers may know, is, is someone we identified at the start of the year um, that might not be with SoftBank by the end of the year. He's held on tight. There's been plenty of articles about the politics that exist at SoftBank and how he's been able to hold on tight. But it's just here we are again after the Vision Fund after these articles about some of the internal politics that existed at SoftBank, and now buying derivatives that have created a concern among investors, according to both the Financial Times as well as Bloomberg. And there he is again, Rajiv Misra. So it's September, Rich. We got three we, months we, left. We got a little is more. Yeah, we got a little bit more. I don't know. We, you know, four months, three months, four months. Uh, I'm still betting on you, Walt. I I, I feel good I about this, this guy. One. I do. I mean, what's what? It, I guess that's what we have. We have to come up with. What a, would it take? What would it take to get him know, fired? We, some type of hashtag. Like, what's Rajiv going to do next at SoftBank? That's too long for a hashtag. 
I mean, after you after you buy options and in, in tech stocks, theoretically driving them up in the market, and then now they're out of them and the market's down. Maybe they got a game. Maybe they got what? Like what? Where do they? Where do you go next? Do you go see Tenant this weekend? I guess that's one question we should be asking. <laughs> uh, not a whole lot of people went to see Tenant last weekend, at least in the U.S. Um, Twenty million a box office was obviously disappointing. Uh, that's, well, that's so insane, by the way, because everything we heard was oh, like Warner saying twenty million to keep expectations low so they could shatter expectations and get the industry going again. Then the Cinemark CEO was on his roadshow last week meeting with investors saying that, oh, it's definitely going to do 50 million. <laughs> and then it came in at like... <laughs> I remember that, that 20 million. Remember that 20 million includes 10 days in Canada and several days of previews in the US. So like the, the real number is right. even lower than that for the weekend. Yeah, it was but, pretty piss poor. And then but, but, well, part of the reason was that he that Nolan didn't want to do drive throughs, right? Or drive ins. Drive ins. This is not CVS. Yeah, no not CVS. This is not a <laughs> CVS. Or drive by. He, he would probably want to do some drive bys right about now. Um, <laughs> <It was> disaster. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's going to do drive ins now. But the the key takeaway from the twenty million dollar number, which is disappointing, obviously, yeah, is people that people don't want to go to the theaters. Correct. So people are not comfortable going to theaters, even in cities where movie theaters are open. Yes, there's plenty of people who do, but not enough to justify. Remember, it's a movie that came out and only did twenty million, and there was no other movies effectively playing. So it's not like it underperformed due to competition. It had almost every screen available. And as we see, the news has been breaking all morning is that Wonder Woman 1984, which is Warner Brothers next release following Tenant, appears to be moving later in the year. And I wouldn't be surprised if it moved into ultimately moves into 21. I just don't think you can release a major film until we get greater clarity on a second wave slash a vaccine. Like people are just not going to sit indoors in enough of the country to make movie theaters make sense right now. And I think that's the reality that we're seeing, at least in this country. Rich, um, Chris Nolan is a great talent. Um, when will I be able to see this movie on HBO Max? And can this help drive subscribers on HBO Max? How does that windowing work? If you know, you know they haven't said, mm -hmm. uh, you know, given that it's still rolling out overseas and playing overseas, you know, it's done essentially 150 million globally, and it probably can get to a few hundred million globally. You know, I would think you could see it. Normally, you'd say it had to be at least a five or six month window because of COVID. You probably could have said a three month window. I think it's possible by the holidays, you know, by Christmas so time. If you've given Chris his, hey, it's in my theaters and a month goes by and two months go by, then like, why wouldn't Stanky just say, all right, fuck it. Going two, three months in, we're going to we're going to use this to drive our quarter ending, fourth quarter ending subs and. And well, for tenant. So, so the answer is they could, but let's just be clear. Like, let's look at, um, and we'll talk about Mulan in a second, but like Mulan for Disney, it's doing two months on Disney plus, then it's doing a month in traditional home video. So selling it on iTunes, selling it on Amazon, renting it, all of those types of things. My guess is for tenant, it will do a traditional home entertainment in sometime in November. And then maybe in December, you could see it quickly on HBO Max or maybe January on HBO Max. So why, though? Because if you're AT&T, like, yes, that's maybe how you make more money, blah, blah, blah. But like 
from a um, company standpoint, aside from the divestitures that investors uh, mostly like, this theoretically would be driving a metric that matters a lot to a lot of investors. So is that worth the dollars of getting some dollars from iTunes rather than driving subscriptions over to HBO Max? Look, what would you do, Rich? I would you put do, it, Brandon? I, I, I wouldn't have put, I mean, as we wrote, we wouldn't have put I it on that. That's done. That's water under the bridge. I Brandon, would get it what to would HBO, you do? HBO Look, Max I mean, next weekend. They still don't have deal with Roku, right? HBO Max. They still don't have a deal with Amazon. This, we're coming up on the we're coming up on the iPhone launch, so maybe you tie that again. We go back to this thesis of somehow tying a better relationship with Apple, Apple TV, you know, iPhone, tenant. Although that, that, next, that new Apple TV, yeah, it's kind of like selling your Xbox Lame. with a great game. Sell the Apple TV wrapped in with tenant, or a free month of HBO Max, and yeah. the first thing on HBO Max. The, you, you're going to get on that, on November 1st, you get tenants HBO on HBO Max, Max. needs content that people care about right now. And content that isn't on HBO, like exclusive th- to that's, Max. That's right. And this could be that, theoretically. Okay, let's talk about um, what happens when you try a hybrid release. So a movie unlike Tenet, which is doing all theaters all around the world, Mulan came out on Disney Plus in the US at a $30 price point. Uh, but it also in China is coming out in theaters. And so it opened up today, actually, in China. There's already reports out that the numbers have been very soft, you know, looking at a weekend that is sub $30 million. But what I wanted to highlight, we have for our viewers who are watching this, uh, we have a, a, a screenshot that I did of Pirate Bay, so for, for piracy, that Mulan is the number one most pirated movie right now in the world. And I, I think that is clearly driven by the fact that it's available legally, you know, on a platform like Disney Plus in many markets, including the U.S. And so it makes it very difficult to put movies on digital in one part of the world, but then force a theatrical in other parts of the world. It's just too easy. And so instantly a perfect copy, you know, you'll see that. You look, know, look, on at, the- look at what else is in there. Bill and Ted. Correct. Right? And King of Staten Island. Correct, but if you which, notice, which you notice, no, I was going to say, which are also, you know, available on Pivot, sure, or even Extraction, which was a Netflix title, right, on Netflix, right? Like, once you make something digitally available, it's available in piracy instantly, and that is going to have an impact. And I, I think uh, obviously there's been Chinese boycotts, and there's all types of other issues. I'm sure, maybe just how good of a film Mulan is, but I don't think the piracy point is lost on us, and it certainly has an impact. Rich, what did you think of the sort of rumored numbers out there for for the first weekend? You know, Disney refused to say. The CFO was asked about it point blank at what a were conference the, what this was, week. What was the speculation? Brandon. The specul this it sounds like people are speculating that it did a couple of million units. No, what was the would, speculation? That that's the new thing. But what wasn't the, wasn't the expectation much much higher oh, than that? The, the oh, I, dude, I've seen analysts writing. I've seen yeah, some of our, our so called peers writing about 13, 14 million units around the world. Like uh, they're, I mean, they're smoking something. Like there's just uh, well, no possible way it, that those numbers are attainable. It'll be interesting to see what the multiplier is for on opening weekend for this. I, I and honestly why, have and no idea. Is this going to be like a three times multiplier, a 2.5 times? I, I, do you know what it was for trolls? 
I don't. I mean, you know, I think it did several million units over the opening weekend and probably has gotten up to my guess is it probably did a 2x type multiplier. Okay, would be my guess. And that's a pretty good number for a movie like Trolls. But I mean, height of the lockdown, you know, you know, really animated kid friendly content. This is a PG rated film. It's already fading on Disney Plus. I mean, it is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's number 10 right now on Disney Plus behind the 1998 version of Mulan, which is included for free on Disney+. And so, look, I'm waiting to see if it bounces for Weekend 2, but all signs point to this thing is just fading in Weekend 2, Brandon, to your point on legs. Yeah, not good. Do you um, think this th- – does this kill Pivot? No, look, I give Disney a lot of credit. I asked you they're, this they're, question last week, I think. No, look, <laughs> Disney's learning. They're, they're learning. They're getting data. Um I think they're going to realize that this model doesn't work and that this is, you know, you can't make enough money. You can learn a lot. And this is, you know, maybe they didn't have a choice and they just wanted to push this film out. But my under my gut instinct here is that they knew this film was not going to be a huge film and they'll take a movie they think will be huge, like Black Widow, which is the next in the Avengers franchise. And they'll punt that movie into 21 because I don't think to the, you know, the whole discussion we had about Tenant moviegoers are just not ready to embrace theaters in a big enough way right now. And getting back to Tenet, what's going to be worth more to AT&T stock, like an extra 500, 750,000 subscribers that they can report as a metric or revenue that's going to be buried in a media business that's a shit that you're never going to even actually This say. is really bothering you, Walt. I just, I just, <laughs> what's bothered me since the beginning, you know, like the, the, even that they allowed Chris Nolan to force it into theaters for $20 million, then... Like, well, look, look at the value destruction how about, in what they How about do. Wonder Woman 1984? Why delay it? Why not just come out on HBO Max? Wonder Woman could be October 2nd on HBO Max. If they really right, wanted to roll the that. dice. We can move forward, Brandon. That's, my, that's the last part of my rant about it until next week, at least. Okay, Kardashians. Uh, Kardashians ending on TV. I'm heartbroken. Uh, I know. Well, that's... You know, <laughs> Kim, Kim is showing a breaking up, broken heart, so obviously that makes sense, and... Yes, there's family dynamics here. Uh, that, oh, that sort at the of. Top. Yes, exactly. Sorry, there's a picture of a broken heart at the top of yeah. her tweet. That's why I said it. Yeah. But the 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 interesting thing is, I I we, we're we're seeing more and more talent <laughs> look for digital deals, and there's already speculation that Chris Jenner and and the family is already looking at doing something, whether it's with Netflix or Amazon or Apple or Hulu. If you think about sort of just where eyeballs are going, we saw Megan and Harry cut a deal with Netflix. We're just seeing more and more linear TV talent moving to the digital world. And I, I think this is just, you know, another sign that like unless you're in unless you're in sports and we all watch sports on linear TV last night, unless you're sports, you're watching streaming TV. You're just not tuning in to linear TV for general entertainment content, reality TV. It's just that, that is just not where the consumer is anymore. As a point of reference, I watched the game on my NBC uh, Sports Gold app, not on technically on linear TV. How come? Like, what was the rationale for that? Functionality. So explain. Tell us what NBC built that well, you love. After AT and T bought Directv, they haven't necessarily invested in the technology of the product. Um, so, for my television, upgraded television, it's just a lot easier to use the apps to see it. And what was interesting is. When they went to ads, they didn't have ad load. It would just say, "Covered coming back to your content shortly. 
which is crazy. Yeah. It actually interrupted. It's like, by friends. the way, it's like that on YouTube TV all the time. Also, crazy. I'm like, if especially YouTube on ESPN, if YouTube can't sell these ads, then who can? Is it possible that that's the reason that ratings are down? That people have shifted to different types of viewing, and and maybe there's it's not getting that this negative sixteen percent. Which well, the more well I think because about these it, are the these are the overnight ratings. So when we get all platforms, uh, not that ads are I, I good, but it. this is the I one. Doubt, time. A down sixteen number is a big number to overcome with that. So I had a friend or two over. We watched outdoors, um, so everyone was socially distanced. Just to be clear. Thank but you. it's actually a little awkward um, to not have advertisements in between the breaks. Like it goes, basically goes completely silent. And yeah, it is, sucks. There's the one opportunity I, I, for them to capture. To that. To Guys, capture. just while we've been talking, just we've been talking just because it's a breaking news headline. The headline that just flashed up is China would prefer a TikTok shutdown to a forced sale. There you go. That's called calling a bluff. Uh, we're going to see. Got four days to find out. Mm-hmm. Okay, What's next? let's uh we've got this is actually a couple of weeks old and we don't normally do this but uh, i wanted to highlight this so the story is comcast is looking to enter the smart tv wars and it says comcast began pitching tv manufacturers in recent months about essentially embedding the x1 software so much like you can go buy a roku tv and we've been talking a lot about on this podcast about android tv ramping up pretty meaningfully over the next month or two in the u.s there's now a story that Comcast is looking to put its X1 software directly into TVs. And, you know, what makes this interesting is two things. One is we basically said in our in our kind of war for the living room post a couple of months ago that if Comcast wants to get Peacock onto Roku's and Amazon Fires, they need to do something to scare those platforms that they're going to lose market share. And simply just waiting for these companies to say yes and, and do a deal – Versus if you threaten them and, you know, create fear that they're going to take TV manufacturer market share would be a great way to drive peacock penetration. And the other piece of this that's sort of interesting is you've got Brian Roberts speaking next week at the Communicopia conference. And it'll be interesting to see whether he talks about this. I have to believe this topic is going to come up because just like Walt, you've been frustrated that HBO Max is not available on more platforms. Comcast Peacock launched now a couple of months ago and isn't also is not on Roku, not on Amazon Fire TV. And everyone's just trying to see, you know, how aggressive are either of these two companies going to be to get their apps onto these other platforms? Because we're just sitting and waiting and and neither of them has really broken through with consumers because they're simply not accessible to to the majority of homes. I don't think this is just about getting Peacock. Um, distribution. I think this also has to do with, look, they have some ad tech pieces and they probably want to go, yeah, free wheel. They want to go after the market that Roku is, is trying to capture on their own because they have the pieces in place. They have a massive ad sales force. They have ad tech, they have content um, if you look at them sort of side by side with Roku, they they actually probably are better positioned in a head to head war. And will it be they just easier? haven't wanted to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, though. Like Sorry, well. we have we have X1 boxes here. I actually just use YouTube TV anyway, um, but there's like no apps on it at all. 
there's there's like five apps for the Xbox. No, no, the on no, the X one on, on, on X one X one. So they don't have very much app distribution. Obviously, they're the NBC apps are the first ones you see, and then it's kind of like Netflix and Amazon and a bunch, you know, a few apps that are completely meaningless. Hulu is actually there, um, but that's we're it. still waiting for that HBO Max app build, huh, Walt? They're very impressed with themselves for getting voice, um, but like. Honestly, like voice works pretty well on my iPhone. It's really not that special Comcast. Sorry. And what makes it, had that for a while? I don't I know. Like, I don't know. I never like, is that really I the special never, sauce? ever use voice for any of this crap. Uh, but more importantly, even though my friend Josh worked on the marketing campaign for that, I want to support it. So more importantly, are they going to have a better opportunity convincing device makers than they have been with Charter, which Charter would seem like a quite obvious user of this technology, and they up to this point have not done that. I mean, any chance at Communicopia next week, Charter announces that they're using X1 because that would certainly provide some validation. But we if actually Charter's not willing to do it, why would a TV manufacturer? We think Charter is actually more likely to embrace Android TV um we you know we've talked to charter about this and and the sense we get is that even to brandon's point even x1 isn't isn't a broad enough platform like the, the what tech companies do versus what cable companies can do there's just there's just a a reach and a and an innovation standpoint that if you were to look at what android tv can do it right. still dwarfs what you're going to see on right, the so X1 if I'm a platform. TV guy, I'm gonna. I got my choices between Apple and how they develop, and Roku and Google, and I'm going to choose Comcast because I can speak into my remote. That's the. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Communicopia next week. Uh, <laughs> you know what I like to do, by the way, now when our when our peers have their uh, conferences and little chat box. I send them questions and try and help uh, them out with follow-up questions. You're so mean, Walt. But then when they don't do the follow-up <laughs> questions, I'm like, how did you not do a follow-up question? Sad. And then, yeah. you, can see, and then you can see the moderator get really upset. And the moderator is trying to see what the audience questions but I will are. Get some of and my then peers, it's just Walt trolling them. Yeah, I'm basically trolling the moderator. But but some of my <laughs> some of my fellow... You're going to uh, get analysts, banned from... No, Rick Prentiss has asked a lot of my questions. So there are people that do ask the questions. So I appreciate that. But but um, as long as you keep asking weak questions at these Pablum conferences, I'm going to be trolling you in the Q and A to ask better better questions. Why is the Fresh Prince on our Noted. screen, Brandon? Noted. Why why are we Noted. talking about the Fresh? Why are we talking Fresh Prince? <laughs> the reunion. I'm into this. I I love that show when I when I was a young lad. Do you guys did didn't you guys watch that? I did watch it. Did, did you know you don't know the lyrics to the song? I could not. Well, I could not. No, none. You're telling you're telling me you didn't walk around. I still remember the lyrics. Like, you want to you want to give us a little preview? <laughs> like, t- take uh, us out of epi- this is episode. That. This is episode twenty one. <laughs> you know, as they say, just like All take right. us out, Brandon. If, if you guys will dance. I'll, I cannot do it. the Carlton. I, I only what you got to do the Carlton. I only remember the beginning and the end of this this song, but I will embarrass myself and sing it if you guys do the dance. Carlton kind of moves no. his head like this. <laughs> All right, you ready? 
Now, this is the story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell Walt how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air in West Philadelphia, born and raised. Join in, Walt. On the playground is where I spent most of my days. Okay, I think we've... We're going to have to cut this part. No, we're leaving it. That was awesome. Max and relaxing, chilling, shooting some b-ball. That is that is episode twenty-one. Up to no good. Started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got in one little fight, and my mom got scared. Please cut this off. I'm gonna.